I'm Jason Van Metting. And I'm Ksenia Chmutina. Welcome to Disasters Deconstructed Podcast. Merry Christmas, kind of, almost. Well, it's coming up soon, isn't it? I know, finally. Woo, I cannot wait. Do you like Christmas? I mean, do you kind of, what's... Well, I don't think we've ever spoken about Christmas before, have we? I don't think so. I do like Something it. we haven't spoken before about. This is, we found one topic we haven't yeah. discussed. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, I do like it. It's um, maybe not as much time off work this year as previous years because um just the way the that universities run here it's like semesters are kind of squished in before and after christmas and then the uh-huh. long time off is in the northern hemisphere summer so like the last six years i've been in australia where we have our main summer break at christmas so it's been like a really long um really long break you know compared to this year, where we only have about a week off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a busy month coming up, but we got our tree put up the other day and had our first uh, kind of party with people over. And Deborah's been um, doing some great decorating with lights. So the, the house is all kind of lit up inside. It's really fun. So cool. Yeah, yeah Christmas tree is the best. I love Christmas tree. Yeah. Like yeah, it's kind of the best thing ever. We've we've put ours up, but you know we have like a real um, Christmas tree, but it's in it's it's in soil, right? It's in a pot. Okay. Um, and we tried to keep it last year, and then it like literally died two weeks before first of December this year, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny, but also really really sad. Um, <laughs> so we'll try better this time i think we just overwatered it i don't know what happened but yeah so it's christmas tree is up and everything is up and we've been making mince pies yesterday and i'm just gonna eat them every day for breakfast lunch and dinner Mm, i love mince pies well me too but that's just weird breakfast why yeah because they're so good and you only get to eat them in december right so like you may as well get the quality (laughs) mince pies out of your system all month all month, yeah. That's this is you know, <laughs> I'm going for it. You know, this is my mission for December. It means spice, but like you know, I mean, for me, this Christmas, December Christmas, isn't kind of isn't really Christmas, right? Because we celebrate in Russia, we celebrate Christmas in January, um, right? Which we don't really celebrate because, like, I mean, you know, um, it's just in my family we're atheists, right? So we don't really celebrate we just have like a little bit of a lunch sort of thing um so new year is much more important but it's kind of cool because here obviously i celebrate christmas with my husband's family so i get um i get to celebrate this christmas then then i get to celebrate new year because i always celebrate new year so that's like the biggest party and then i get to celebrate russian christmas so it just keeps going and going and going it's like a month and a half of celebrations excellent um and i i I like the the, I, i like the idea behind it but and that's why I kind of like more European take on it, that it, it's not about religion, right? It's about kind of celebration and being naughty or nice and trying not to get cold in your shoe and all that, all that. Yeah, totally. And I wanted to, to share a thing that I was reading, which is going into some of those uh, European 
traditions and myths, right? And right. Um, I think it's quite interesting, and I hadn't heard of this before, but I was um, looking on the smithsonian.com website, and they had an article that was titled Why Iceland's Christmas Witch is Much Cooler and Scarier Than Krampus. <laughs> yes i want to know yes tell me please okay um and so iceland's christmas witch is called uh Gryla or grilla i'm not sure how you pronounce it there right and so it starts off talking about how krampus has become kind of popular there's been a movie and stuff and people recognize krampus with his long tongue and stuff right this is the the horned and hoofed monster from germany Mm -hmm. um and so people in us will recognize uh, him also anyway um we it said the article says i quote krampus fans may be overlooking an equally nasty much more formidable queen a christmas monster who lives further north in the frigid climes of iceland and who goes by the name gryla the christmas witch this tough ogress lives in a cave in iceland's hinterlands the matriarch of a family of strange creatures launching attacks on nearby townships, snatching up misbehaving children and turning them into delicious stew. <laughs> <laughs> right. So good. And it goes on and, and talks about Gryla. And um, it comes from like from 1300. She was already uh, widely kind of talked about in stories and poems um, and associated with, with like a threat that lives in the mountains. Um, and they had poems about her and her husband. And it says here in the article, her husband didn't last long um, as Gunnel, a, one of these, uh, a head of a folkloristics department at the University of Iceland. He says she ate one of her husbands when she got bored with him. In some <laughs> ways, she's the first feminist in Iceland. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And um, anyway, the thing that I... the Further on, it talks about um, how she was kind of a personification of winter and darkness, getting closer and taking over the land, and um, she she was seen as controlling the landscape. So it kind of also, for me, um, was like a reminder how people see nature as something kind of acting against them that they need to mm. fight against, you know, and she seemed to be the epitome of the harsh conditions. It, it, it is interesting how, like, winter is perceived as this sort of harsh, right, kind yeah. of icicle um, thing, I guess. Well, not even a thing, and um, a humanized thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think every, pretty much every folklore has has the stories because I mean in Russia it's the same. You know we have the like this grandfather Frost who is kind of he's cold, you know, and he can bring you damage. Um, mm. But if you're nice, like and respectful, then he'll be nice to you and he'll can even give you like um, oh, what are they called? These snowdrops, the flowers, you know, the right. spring flowers. Um, but it's very difficult to get. So I, I I find it fascinating how people see darkness and cold as something really really terrible well yeah and but it's also like what struck me from this story is that the attempt to like modify people's behavior by scaring children to like fear somebody coming to get them and turn them into a stew or like uh, you know and it, it, it's so extreme i must admit <laughs> it is but you have it in so many traditions um, yeah like absolutely. don't don't be naughty you gotta Gotta have good behavior, at least 
at least pretend to have good behavior so you get on the on the right list yeah and then get whatever present it is yeah. you want it yeah it is fascinating and how similar the cultures are in this respect is what fascinates me mm. um regardless of the stories that we're told right the kind of the moral or the the outcome that we want from this christmas stories they're all more or less the same somehow like I find it a little bit manipulative. Yeah, absolutely. But isn't the whole idea? I mean, you know, I I love magic, as you know. You know, I love magic. Yeah. I love fairy tales. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, um, you know, I know it's not real, but I like totally believe in it. You know, <laughs> for all the crazy weird reasons. But and I I like this magic of Christmas. You know, I like the idea that you know Santa would come or whoever that is that is coming for Christmas or around Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right, like in sort of lying to children from the very early age that, you know, if you do this, this and this, then that will come and give you this. Um, it's a bit wrong, right? But like, how do we do it without ruining the magic? I don't know. Well, there's, there's something that's really great about being generous to each other. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I tend to appreciate all of the things that are just part of our... Um, nature of caring for each other and and having um, you know caring about other people's feelings and uh, people who you know need something that you can maybe supply and um, all of these other things that we also do at Christmas um, which are which are great and they show the best of our nature you know But I think Christmas at the same time, right? Particularly in recent decades, it sort of started to highlight um, how not nice many people are. And, you know, to me, the biggest problem now with Christmas is that the divide and the inequality that it brings, right? Mm -hmm. Because somebody gets all this sort of amazing presents and other people get absolutely nothing. and um, Or they go in debt because they're trying to get these better things for their children. And I somehow the... the the holiday has become about buying and consuming and like giving things that we don't need. And I, I just really don't like that. I find it kind of wrong, you know, and it's, it's not, it ruins the Christmas spirit for me. Totally. When we, when we had our, uh, maybe two children, like 10 years ago, you know, we were, um, always so focused on, uh, making sure we got all the things we need, to, we needed to, to get to make the kids happy and of course they're like they're like one and three and they could like mm. play with sticks and be happy <laughs> and so it was all a bit ridiculous i remember one christmas just uh going around the family and with the car and having the car like loaded up with so many bags and boxes of presents and like being really pissed off about it because i was like this is just obscene um and then i think we went through a period where we where we really uh, almost didn't even celebrate it and just kind of hated the consumption, uh, like unnecessary consumption that was going on. And now we've become much more moderate in our family, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's difficult, isn't it? And um, on that, actually, so the story that I have prepared for you as my Christmas gift, one of my two Christmas gifts to you. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so yeah, listeners, this is where not just kind of randomly <laughs> reading stories to each other. Um, that is the Christmas present so to each um, that Jason and I um, have prepared uh, for each other. It so, be you know, it, it is so good. Both of my stories yeah. are so good, but um, depressing nevertheless. Okay. So, you know, talking of kind of overconsumption in Christmas, um, the story that I think for me um, summarized the, the summarizes all of this um, is the story by Hans Christian Andersen mm. called The Little Match Girl. And I, th- I think it's a quite a well-known story. So it's a it's a story about a little girl who um, on the New Year's Eve, you know, she was trying to sell matches in the street um, and she was very poor. You know, she was barefoot. And because I think it's quite nicely described in the story how she lost one of her shoe um, because it was so big. And the second shoe, the boy stole from her because he could use it for something else. Um, but she was also, she was so she was freezing on the street um, because she didn't sell any matches. And she knew that if she goes home, you know, her father will just probably beat her up. And so she found this corner of the house where inside there was this most magnificent Christmas tree. And she could see the happy family, you know, through the window. And she could see all the things that they eat. But she knew that this is not going to be her new year. But she still wanted to have some happiness. And so she lit this one match. And of course, there was a little fire, right? And a little warmth. And that reminded her of her grandmother who loved her, you know, and who cared for her. And um, But she died, so there was no one really left to, to, you know, to look after the child. And so the girl really wanted to keep thinking about the grandmother as this kind of happy vision. And so she kept lighting these matches, you know. Um, so she went through the entire bundle of matches. And then when the matches were gone, were gone, um, her grandmother kind of called her um, to come to heaven with her. And then the next morning, the passers-by, they found the girl frozen and they expressed pity. Um, but they didn't know about the wonderful vision, visions that she had and how mm. happy she was with her grandmother in heaven. Mm. And, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a Christmas story, but I think for me... This is one of a few sad Christmas stories that actually reflect so much reality that it particularly we are now seeing uh, with homelessness and with children po- children's poverty and just generally with the situation, political situation that is unfolding. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the present you expected, right? <laughs> no, thanks for my present, Sonia. <laughs> You're really welcome. There's a second one coming. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very tragic, but it, it's also like, it just shows the, that we don't understand the whole, um, experience of, of people, um, you know, who are in different, different circumstances. And we talk about this kind of quite often, you know, in, in, in that, in our research, uh, we're often, engaging with with groups and individuals who have very different experiences very different perception of issues um very, like very different truth you know and so it is a it's a great story i really appreciate that yeah it's a lovely story but and for me this is kind of i guess what disasters are about you know with whole representation of disasters when we see pictures on tv right all we see is destruction and of course it is destruction you know of course it is kind of death and loss of livelihoods um but we kind of forget about the community spirit very often we forget about capacities and of course we've spoken so much about it in the first season 
And I think it's just important to remember that there might be um, something good that comes out in people. And if we use disasters as an opportunity, then, you know, it can get better. Yeah. When I was looking for stories and poetry and stuff about Christmas that were somehow linked to some of the themes that we talk about, um, I found like sometimes a, a narrative of kind of good versus evil as well. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often in the different stories that are, are told. Um, and I had a, a poem that I came across that was, um, I think, interesting in the way it reflected like this idea that, you know, so many bad things are going on in the world that yeah. kind of um, indicate that everything's going to be terrible and um, fall apart. And then at the same time, people have hope and um, try to drown out the bad things. So it's kind of this back and forth. Um, So maybe I could read a bit of of that poem. So it's written by an American poet called Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Um, It's called Christmas Bells. And it was written during the um, U.S. Civil War in 1863. I won't read the whole thing, but he's he's talking about the the Christmas bells um, and the the wonderful sound and the kind of nostalgia and everything, and then um, talking about the the war. Right, he says, then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. So it's like... It's like that um, back and forth. It's like the feelings of hope and then, oh, but all this stuff is going on. And this is like in the middle of a, a war um, scenario. Um, but we can, we all, we see this in all types of different contexts where bad things are happening and people are trying to remain hopeful. Um, so I thought that poem was uh, really interesting as we consider some of these um dilemmas we have in maintaining hope in the face of disasters right yeah absolutely i loved it and i really like how it kind of connects you've connected this really well to disasters as well (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's so good right you're doing better than me with this present uh malaki But you know what's interesting is this right and wrong. And I think we talk about it in disasters as well. Like in this poem, it says that's kind of something right would happen to men. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> yeah, in square, <laughs> in square brackets. Uh, and women, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but w- what is right and wrong is for me is kind of almost as problematic as the whole narrative about disasters or, you know, crisis. Uh, who decides what's right? Mm. Right? Who decides what's wrong? Because what's right for us may be not necessarily right for many other people. And I think 
that is almost the problem, right, that we have with disaster risk reduction and therefore disaster risk creation is that right is almost what's decided by the most powerful. Um, but I'm sure that very often if we ask a poor um, homeless person on the street, it may not be right for them, right? The decision that we make may not be right for them. Yeah, and, you know, we've we've talked before about the, the problem with... Um, just having conflicting narratives or opposing narratives where you might even have two different um, claims to being correct or right that are contradictory and how do you deal with that? And so, and I mean, my, my approach to that is, well, we look at, at the power dynamic and, you know, is there, is there one of the claims which is coming from a person or group that is oppressed in society or at the margin or um, like what are the impacts of the claim you know yeah um, and I, that actually that is a brilliant segue to my final present to you okay um, the, the, the other story that I want to read and it's a very short story so I will read this story okay uh, it is a story yet again by Eduardo Galeano um, our yes favorite author. I know, see, I know. I'm really good at presents. Okay. <laughs> so, right. So it's a story by Eduardo Galeano from his book, The Book of Embraces. Um, and the story is called A Doctor and a Child, Christmas Eve in Managua. Fernando Silva ran the child's hospital in Managua. On Christmas Eve, he worked late into the night. Firecrackers were exploding and fireworks lit up the sky when Fernando decided it was time to leave. They were expecting him at home to celebrate the holiday. He took one last look around, checking to see that everything was in order, when he heard cottony footsteps behind him. He turned to find one of the sick children walking after him. In the half-light, he recognized the lonely, doomed child. Fernando recognized the face already lined with death and those eyes asking for forgiveness or perhaps permission. Fernando walked over to him and the boy gave him his hand. Tell someone, the child whispered. Tell someone I'm here. It makes me think of the um, just the big difference of experience during times of great happiness, you know, and um, even great consumption and great, um, like I don't know, joy and and generosity, but it doesn't extend to everybody and. Um, it's, it's so easy to just take, um, or assume that our, our privileges to have fun in this season are shared by everybody else. Yeah. But also it's just that hope, right. That somebody would remember that yeah. you're there, yeah. um, when everybody else is having fun, um, yeah. So it's, it's the importance, I guess, again, of hidden voices. And I think we just forget this too often. Yeah. And so to me, there's also different responses to the fact that um, a lot of people are suffering at, at times when others are rejoicing or enjoying themselves. And the most common response that I see is like a, a charitable response. And I think you know how I feel about that, Ksenia, because, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it can often be re really problematic. And fits into a uh, sort of a, a a savior narrative of of people who have 
a lot who who think that um, their situation is kind of by right or by hard work, and so they can give a little bit of charity to to help people who don't have, um, and that just kind of glosses over the systemic and structural issues with society and. Uh, we talk about this a lot when we discuss the origins of risk. Um, and so, you know, as as much as we might say, well, we need to help people who are worse off um, at times like this, uh, I think that's a very n- narrow response. Um, and maybe it's a very safe response because often uh, the much more difficult thing to do as well. Yeah, we should, we should definitely um, be very aware of people that we can help day to day but we need to be involved in challenging systemic and structural injustice all the time to the point that the those um people that have very little um become fewer and fewer you know yeah absolutely and that is the whole point you know i guess of um of what we are trying to do you know to just raise a little bit more awareness about this but i you know i i don't and we've discussed this before i i don't think that all aid is bad right and there is place for it if it's used correctly but i i kind of hate again this is another thing about christmas that um annoys me occasionally where now all of a sudden everyone has become so generous right and like mm-hmm. over the christmas period every the donations i'm sure rise um and in the uk recently i don't know if you've seen um stats because of course with, because of the elections you know lots of things are coming up we now have more food banks than we have mcdonald's and mcdonald's restaurants that, in this country yeah. and it's just absolutely heartbreaking how this is even happening in 21st century and and but it's also heartbreaking to see that um all these food banks they're now have little stations in the supermarkets you know so as you shop you can kind of donate a little bit um, Mm -hmm. to them and but that only appears over christmas um because i guess people feel a little bit more generous but why can't we feel generous throughout the year you know what what is it so special about christmas that i don't know is it because we want to be on the nice list you know (laughs) and that upsets me greatly that we can't we can't continue being nice um, throughout the year because somehow this naughty list is um, only important when it really comes uh, when you know the Christmas movies appear um, on the <laughs> on the telly and when Christmas Carol kind of reminds you to think of the things of our past you know and to dream of the dreams of our future why can't we be generous to each other and and um, do things for each other all the time yeah but the the other thing about the the food banks is just like you know, it's transferring all the responsibility in terms of just the, the story that's being told. It's transferring responsibility to people to respond to a problem that they had nothing to do with creating in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, that that government that you have had for so long is is um, responsible for some terrible things. It's just kind of it's just awful to think that people feel like it's just kind of a natural thing that's happened or, you know, we just need to provide some charity because um, these poor people don't have enough food without, without actually grasping the much deeper cause of what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, I think by the way that the government is kind of even portrays this food 
banks, they kind of, they, they remove the dignity of these people, you know, and yeah. they remove the respect for these people, the kind of their, their humanity, because they, they are, many of these people, most of these people are really hardworking. Yeah. And totally. it is because of the government's kind of decisions that they are in the situation. And it's actually, it made me think, um, so we have this independent cinema um, in Nottingham where we go all the time and they do a really nice um, charity thing where, so they, they support the food banks and they give food banks tickets to the cinema. So people who get, you know, food in the food banks, they can still go and enjoy the movie because yeah. this is something that, we should do, you know, that there is still, there should be something about your life that you would look forward to, right? Even if it's just a movie. And of course, it doesn't remove the problem, but maybe it makes you feel a little bit more human. No, I think, I think that that's a great response to the fact that many narratives about um, people who are experiencing poverty are really dehumanizing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you see this uh, with many groups that are, you know, talked down to or, de de uh, you know, like refugees. I remember in, in Australia, mm. the, the narratives about refugees were so often about, oh, well, if they're so badly off, why do they have a phone, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, you want, you want people to prove how poor they are by not doing anything nice or having like something as simple as a phone. So they have to prove to you that they're really destitute. And it's just terrible. Yeah. 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 Hey, listen, uh, you know, I think we've um, managed to record the most depressing Christmas special <laughs> ever in the history of podcasts. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I'm kind of impressed with our amazing skill. That doesn't really surprise me. Um, really? Not really. I mean... <laughs> If yeah, we can, we'll we'll aim for something more positive next year, perhaps. But this was this was a good chat. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, it was really nice, and I'm glad we've done our Christmas special. So um, I don't know what's what's your Christmas wish and um, what's your Christmas resolution for me? Give me a Christmas resolution. I will work towards a Christmas resolution for you. <laughs> it's not meant to be New yeah. Year. A really New Year resolution? Well, same thing, right? I told you I'm so so confused with this winter holidays. You know, they all merge into one. Oh, you go first. I have to think. You know what my Christmas resolution is going to be for you? A new, Tell me. New Year resolution. Um. Well, I'm I'm still kind of hoping that uh, you'll read more fiction. So <laughs> you shall read more fiction in 2020. Okay. And you might even try to write some fiction. Why am I pushing it too far? Um, too far, right? Yeah, I don't know about that one. That might be that might be going too far, but uh, yeah, okay. So you know, keep reading fiction. Reading. I'll keep I'll keep I'll keep bring, bringing you fiction books. Okay, so my New Year's resolution for you is to learn to say no to things so that you don't get as overworked in twenty twenty as you have been in the past. Say no to travel that's non essential. Say no uh. to being token woman on things um, <laughs> or token social scientists on things um, because it's not worth the hassle a lot of the time. A lot of these things are, it's not your responsibility to educate people. You know, that's my resolution for you. Oh, wow. Okay. Th this is a serious one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. <laughs> so, shall we finish with a Christmas joke? A terrible Christmas joke, yeah? That should lift the mood. Go for it. Hopefully. We'll yeah. see what it's like. Okay, it's a Christmas cracker joke, so it's not going to lift the mood, right? Like, don't okay. give people expectations. So, okay. Jason, what did the fish say when it swam into a wall? Um... <laughs> I, I don't know. Tell me. So what did the fish say? The fish said, damn. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. It's not very Christmassy though, is it? Why did I choose that one? Okay. What did Adam say the day before Christmas? Um, is this like just any Adam or is this Adam from the Bible? The, the Adam, yeah. The day before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Don't overthink this. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Uh, I think I would have got there eventually. <laughs> I think my career as a comedian has been now totally damaged and destroyed. We hope you have a nice Christmas break, whether you celebrate it or not, enjoy the festivities, rest, eat, sleep, read loads, and we will be back on the 6th of January. Okay. Okay. Take care, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Bye.